Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So actually, I have to start with a testimony this morning. You know, we're teaching, we're in a whole series, we're in the middle of teaching about testimony. Or maybe at the end, this might be the last one, but... um, I always come early enough that I can have a time of prayer before Sunday morning, like a long one, because I never want to do this in my own strength. You can't imagine how ugly that would be. Um, Maybe you think it's ugly anyway. I don't know, but that would be really ugly. Um, So I come and pray, and um, most of the time what I've prepared or what I've set out uh, is pretty good to go, and and I pray I get more revelation on it or whatever. But this time, I started throwing away pages and scra- adding pages and scratching things out and changing the order. And, and so I come in here this morning, I'm more or less terrified that like, okay, I don't know if I know what I'm about to do or not. And, <laughs> and she always lets me know that that's okay. Thank you for that. And... Uh, And so then I'm sitting here and one of the primary things that God just said, you're going to talk about this even though it really wasn't your game plan. Paul starts preaching about (laughs) the passage during announcements. And then I'm just filled up like um, the Spirit of God is just in this, isn't he? So good, so good. So I still have no idea exactly what's going to happen, but I feel better about it. Because that, that's really, that's all the evidence I need. The same spirit speaking through us and then half of the songs and the ways that, that Pastor Teresa is praying and everything, it just, it just fills me up. This makes me go, okay, whatever you want. So, Father, we just pray for your spirit to be in this. We ask for uh, not just words, but your word, your transforming word to speak directly into hearts, to create breakthroughs in hearts. Uh, teach us to be stewards of your testimony. Teach us that we are stewards of the testimony of a great God in the name of Jesus. So I'm just going to do a quick review of where we kind of left off last week. Um, Because like you've heard me say so many times, if you don't start at love, you will misinterpret everything in our faith. You'll misinterpret every word in this book, if not rooted and grounded in love. So we're going to kind of start there. Last week we talked about um, the arc of the testimony, right? And for those of you that are with us first this morning, did you realize that the arc of the covenant is actually, it's the arc of the testimony, Okay, and the testimony, when we talk about testimony, one thing we talked about last week is testimony is not just a story. (laughs) Okay, testimony is the power of God for the will of heaven to begin to come to, to happen on the earth. Okay, when they talked about the ark of the testimony, when it was a gold box that the priest carried, it always went out front. When it moved, they moved. When it camped, They camped, but they never really had victory except for when they were in an atmosphere of obedience and the ark of the testimony went first, right? Why is that? Testimony, the the actual loving acts of God in our life that, that takes us from a place where we don't know him to a place where we say, I know him. 
I don't just know him generally. I know him like this, right? It's, his, it's our experience with him, with a relational, personal God that brings us to a place where we can say, I know him like this. And when we keep that out in front, then we're a people of faith. We're full of a faith that releases heaven in this earth. Only by faith, <laughs> right? By faith we're saved. Let's start there. Only by faith. So testimony is out in front. If we're going to accomplish anything, anything of significance, if we're going to participate in the Spirit in any real way, testimony is out in front. And you are that royalty. Now that's the love I want to start with. Um, and so as I shuffle these pages, just going <laughs> to have grace with me. But... Um, I want to go first to 1 Peter 2, and uh, we'll start in verse 4. And this is just to root and ground you in his love <laughs> so that we can interpret rightly as we move forward, okay? Here in verse 4 it says, Coming to him, Jesus, as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Okay, all that, that's Jesus, the one of testimony, okay? And then it begins to talk about you. Verse five says, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Go ahead and say, I'm a spiritual house. And a holy priesthood. Okay, now I'm just gonna review this so we know what we're talking about because the story that, that he really wants me to speak out of this morning if you imagine it as a story about a religion or about a box, you'll get exactly the opposite of what God's trying to say to you. Um, so it's important just to recognize, first of all, we talked about last week that you are royalty, right? What, um, you are a holy priesthood. What, what was the primary responsibility of the priesthood? To steward the testimony, Right? And, and this, literally, this passage, did I flip too fast? This passage literally says that you're a spiritual house. What was the purpose of the temple? I mean, really. To house the testimony, the very power of God that made them conquerors. Where people said, what is it with those people? Well, the presence of God was with them. What made them different? The presence of God. That was the purpose of the temple. So what was the purpose of the priesthood? They were, they were charged with the responsibility of the proper handling of the testimony of a great God, of the only God. So what's your primary charge? Steward the, the steward the testimony. You holy priesthood. You spiritual house, okay? You carry that testimony. I wish I could go back and just redo everything I did last week right now before we do what we're doing today, but... <laughs> You wouldn't let me, so we're, we're not going to do that. Um, I do want to tell you a few things before we head into the, the main thing, though. Um, do you know that testimony, and remember, don't think of it as a story. I have to just say this again. Testimony is literally the power of God that we have to advance the kingdom, to establish things for him to change and transform lives. That's what testimony is, the ark of the testimony. Okay, you're the carrier of that. And do you know that, so, so the testimony is truth, right? The truth of what? It's the truth of the goodness of God. 
It's the truth of his ability. Most of all, it's the truth of his love. Every act that he, that he takes is an act of love, right? Everything he does for you and the power that you have is what he's done for you. You comfort with the same comfort you've received. You minister in that power, his love, what he's done for you. Okay, do you know that true testimony has the power, in fact, automatically does one of two things, has the power to gather or scatter? I'm not just pulling stuff out of the air. That's the entire story, okay? I mean, even just follow when they moved the Ark of the Testimony, um, it, it was often very destructive, even, even among the people of God. There were outbreaks of God that was destructive, that was scattering, that was destroying. But it was also the power of God for the giving of light, of life, of conquering and victory, right? It has the power to, to scatter and gather. That's what I'm saying. It's, that's why you've got to get a handle. We have to understand it's not just a story about God. But testimony is powerful. Testimony has the power to send people off to death and to draw people into him, into life. In fact, it will do one of the two. There's really no such thing as neutral when it comes to the Ark of the Testimony. Or show me that passage if you know of one. You see... Um, effective love, the effective love of God is actual activity in our life by a respectful, loving God because he chooses to be that way enters into an atmosphere where he gave man dominion. Do you understand that? So, so we get to respond to the activity of God. <laughs> That's intense. Y'all got really intense on me. Is that because I'm intense? Or <laughs> okay, we better move. We're going to move on now. Let me give you an example of what I'm saying so we're not just going, what, what is he talking about? Um, recently, we taught on the 10 lepers. You know, Jesus healed 10 lepers. And I really think it's a story about the one. So what happens? Testament. He makes testimony. In other words, the literal love of God, breaks the, the kingdom of God manifests in Jesus to change people's lives and he heals lepers. People who are even religiously separated from being able to participate with the community. That's a leper. Okay, one comes back and wants to follow him. Nine are scattered or sent away from the true source of life. Why? Because when they're healed from leprosy, they've been waiting all their life to be able to participate with the religious community. And he gave them that, right? He gave them the ability to re-engage in that religious community, so they, they did. And they didn't even come back to Jesus. The true love of God, the powerful, active love of God, testimony out in front, scatters or draws to life. Okay? And we're going to look at that intensely this morning. Um, another example, now we'll save that. Go with me to John, and this is probably... Um, the most famous verse in the entire Bible. And I think we're, I hope that we're going to see something a little bit different here. John 3, 16 and 17. Here it says, For God so loved the world. I still hear pages. Oh, wait a second. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why did he give his son? For love. For love. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, 17 is really why we're looking at this. What, what follows that so famous scripture is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now listen to me. This is going to lead into our main story. You just read the strategy of God, the heart of God, the heart and the strategy. Okay? In other words, he did not come to condemn. He came to save. And what we just said is the power of testimony. The power of God's acts, if not stewarded properly, have the power to condemn. There are lots of places I planned on talking about that this morning, and I'm really not going to, but, but just, just track with me places where oftentimes where he said it would be worse, it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than here because of what I've done here among you, right? Are you familiar with those places? What's he saying? Why? Because when the, when the love of God, when the literal activity of God loving people breaks out and it scatters instead of draws them in, it's condemning. Okay, testimony is, is the most powerful <laughs> force in the universe because, because it's God, okay? <laughs> because it's witness of God, the only power in the universe. So testimony is that power that is a responsibility to steward. And that's really where we're going today. It's not something that we take lightly. Well, oh, I'm just going to tell my story over here. Or... Um, or God's done this for me, well, let me just pray for you then because he's done that kind of thing for me. Um, we talked a little bit about that last week, but what I'm saying now is that it's a responsibility to steward. You see? Not wheeled around lightly, and we're going to see that. Okay, I think. Okay, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to go straight to the second Samuel now. And we have to do that one, so I'm going to stick it right there. Okay, so last week we talked about the moving of the ark, right? Um, we're going to read a story uh, that Paul already preached about this morning um, where they're going to begin to move the testimony, okay? Starting right in verse 1, okay? I'm just going to start reading and see what the Lord does here. It says, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God. So what? The testimony's on the move. <laughs> so what do we know? There's a, what do we know that's about to happen? People are about to be drawn. People are about to be scattered. And for certain, things are about to happen. There's no such thing as the power of God on the move and nothing happening. Can we agree on that? Okay. <clears throat> Whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. Now it struck me this morning, have you ever seen, I didn't get a picture of this today, but have you ever seen pictures of the ark where the wings come in? And we talked about last week, that's the mercy seat, right? That's Jesus' seat where the blood of the lamb is poured out that, that, that releases the mercy of God. And I thought, how peculiar that the wings cover the whole thing it's a seat and yet the whole thing is covered so that like if you tried to sit down you wouldn't be able to right i really just have to say i think that's the mercy of god somebody would have been tempted 
<laughs> to sit in Jesus' seat. <laughs> and he's like, we better just put some cherubim over to you. <laughs> That's not your seat. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Verse 3, it says, So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and, uh, how do you say that? Ahio, the son of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Okay? So they're about to move the ark. And what do they do? They put it on a cart and they're going to move it on this cart. This is going to keep reading. Verse 4. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Let me tell you, how many of you recognize that there's a lot wrong with this picture that we're reading? There's some things that are right. What's right about the picture? Worship. I think I'm hearing worship. Worship definitely um, goes with, accompanies, is out in front with the movement of the testimony. We can read endless stories where when the, when the testimony moves, when God's about to do things, worship precedes it. Worship is part of the release of that. Okay, now last week we talked about how you're supposed to move the ark. You remember how that is? Okay, the ark is designed, it has rings on it, it has poles, and who moves the ark? The priests, and so you move the ark, right? You're one, you've got a place on the pole. You are a carrier of the testimony. Now, they just threw it on a cart. <laughs> there, I gave it away. <laughs> they just threw it on a cart. <laughs> okay? And there's two priests. We just read that one of them, Ahio, is out in front. Verse 6 says, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor. Now that looks like, oh, well, the scriptures just named a place. Great. Let me tell you about when you dig in those words. Nacon literally means um, to prepare, make provision, or, or get something ready for. That's what his name means. And so, so God's about to prepare. And then what's a threshing floor? A threshing floor is where you win or you beat the chaff from what's good, you separate out the good harvest from the chaff. It's Nachon's threshing floor <laughs> where this is about to happen. God's about, in other words, what? He's, the, the testimony is moving and he's preparing them for, for the power of God returning to his city, to his King David, to his city, Jerusalem. He's preparing for it. Okay? And then so here's what happens. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his heir. And he died there by the ark of God. And David, now listen how the, I'm reading too fast. You listen to this progression, okay? This is what happens to Uzzah, and then what? When God begins to act, it begins to ripple out. Okay, and it, instantly it starts to say, and David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah. 
which that literally means, um, it's two words, right? Perez and Uza, which means breaking strength, literally breaking religious strength. Religious strength was broken that day. Okay, can you put up the picture of the priests? I want you to contrast two pictures, okay? This is how it was in an atmosphere of obedience, testimony moved like this, okay? Go ahead and put up the next picture. In an atmosphere of disobedience, efficiency, religion, the testimony moved like that. And you see that it brought about, you see the power of testimony. Did God change? No. I think we often, we read that story and we think, boy, that is a harsh God. I don't know. I don't know if I want to like go along or whatever. That's that's pretty unloving. But they knew. (laughs) They knew how you move testimony. We talked about it last week. The ark is purposely designed so that priests move the testimony together. The power of God is moved by priests (laughs) together, taking their place on the pole together. Now, I'm going to tell you what you saw in that second picture. You saw a beast of burden. Nowhere ever did God tell them to move his power or his testimony with a beast of burden. In fact, I feel like if I can find this, I feel like I need to read something. I think it's John. Um, nope, I'm going to paraphrase. I think I got it memorized anyway. I don't, I'm not very good at addresses. Anybody else? <laughs> I actually have to study. Um, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Isn't that interesting? He said, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, come to me. My yoke is easy. Isn't that interesting? He, he chose the symbol of a beast of burden. Now, I'm going to tell you that's no coincidence. The reason Uzzah was struck dead was because of the love of God. He was not going to have the testimony move into Jerusalem by the power of a beast of burden. It's an absolute perfect picture of religion. It was not going to be out of expedience or obligation or burden that the power of God was going to come in. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Was his error that he wanted to help out and he reached out to stabilize it? That's really not the error. The error was they were being careless with the responsibility of testimony. What has God done in your life? I want to tell you something. If God's done something in your life, there is a, there is a royal priesthood responsibility to steward the power of what God has done for you so that others can participate in it. But it's not wielded lightly. not wielded lightly it's not going to be the power of God is never going to move in religion it's never going to move because somebody feels guilty or obligated never that it will never move God God is never moved by people who are operating in obligation you know you're not a beast of burden 
What are you? You're the royalty of the family of God, the priesthood that moves the testimony. Okay, I'm going to go on in verse 9. Now it gets really interesting. We, we start to hear of David's reaction. So verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? <laughs> Proverbs says the um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> That's a good question to ask. How can this power of God come to me? He goes on, so David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the, into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. You know what that name means? <laughs> Uh, the first part literally means um, the elder worker or servant of, and the second part is um, to show forth the blood. So the house of Obed-Edom is like, is like a servant to show forth the blood of Christ. You cannot make this up, okay? <laughs> so if you ever wonder if uh, I'm making things up, I'm not that clever. Verse 11 says, um, so the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now I have to allude to a teaching that we had recently. Do you remember that, um, actually let me just allude to, to several pictures in the scripture that God has given us because I want you to be rooted and grounded in this love. Okay, so at the baptism of Jesus, what? The Spirit of God came and hovered and it literally says came as a dove and it came upon him and remained, right? When he sent out the 12, what did he say? He said, he said go take my peace and offer it to the houses. First of all, discern if it's worthy and then offer it. There's the, there's the stewarding the testimony, right? Discern if this is a place for my power, for the testimony I've given you and offer it and, and if it remains, let him keep it. See, offer the Spirit is looking for a place to remain. Listen to me. Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, um, the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the earth. Why? The Spirit looking for a place. The Spirit of God always hovers over when he wants to create. Okay, he wants to create, he's hovering, he's looking for a place to to remain, to create something new. Now, what happens when we become Christian? What happens when Jesus, um, when he gave up his spirit, the final act of obedience, the ultimate atmosphere of obedience, Jesus gives up his spirit to the Father and what happens? The curtain is ripped and the spirit of God goes out to what? to hover over the face of the earth because he's looking to create. He's looking for a place to come upon and remain. A word of God says that when, when uh, Jesus changes your life, when you meet him personally and you give your life to him, what? What happens? You become a new creation. The spirit of God goes out when he wants to create. And he's always creating a new thing. And what's he creating? He's creating a family, a royal household of priests that steward the testimony, that carry the highest responsibility thing in all of creation, the testimony of a great God, the actual power of God for the will of heaven to be done in this earth. 
Why did I start talking about all of that? <laughs> oh, Obed-Edom. <laughs> that guy. Okay. So, <laughs> the Spirit comes upon and remains. And you understand there's no such thing as the Spirit coming upon and remaining and they're not being blessing? That's not possible, right? In the presence of God is his love, <laughs> is his power. The kingdom of God is where the Spirit of God is. The things of the kingdom of God happen when the Spirit of God is in it. Amen? Okay, so that's what happens to the house of Obed-Edom. And then in verse 12, now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. In other words, what? Testimony <laughs> comes to David, right? They come and tell him. Testimony comes. And what's the impact that happens? So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Boy, that's a different David. Did, um, did God become less fearsome? I mean, what changed? Something changed. <laughs> testimony, presence. You know that testimony, we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, and now we're getting a fine point on it. Testimony creates a people of expectation. When God, be, when God acts and we carry the power of God's acts, <laughs> to other people. And we say, he's done it for me. I believe he wants to do this for you. It begins, it grows, and it grows into something more and more powerful. The acts of God being told, being shown, the kingdom of God breaking out creates, creates a growing hunger. It creates a growing faith. We suddenly become a people of expectation. This happens to David. Is God less fearsome? No. But David, you see, testimony brought David from a place of fearing God's craziness to a place of saying, I don't care what the risk is. <laughs> We've got to go down and bring the testimony to Jerusalem. Right? You know, that, that's, that is the story of the church. You can study the entire history of the church or you could just look at it in the last 10 years in your region of the world. <laughs> Either one will work. And you know that, that people fear the movement of the power of God. People fear God on the move. And why? We're reading about it in this story. Well, actually, we haven't really yet. Paul <laughs> preached that part earlier, so maybe we won't get to it. People don't want their religion messed up. <laughs> okay? They don't want crazy God. They, they, want it, they, they want it to be contained and expedient and easy. They don't want God shaking it up so that everything that's unshakable will be thrown down and everything that's not shakable is the only thing that stands. That's what God does. <laughs> I've never been anywhere where, um, and, and I'm... I'm just going to uh, brag a little bit here. I've, I've been really um, blessed in, in the respect that God has allowed me to be places where his power has broke out in the craziest ways. I've, I am just one of the priests that I am privileged to have been there <laughs> for some things. And I'll tell you this, 
both happens every single time. There is scattering and there is drawing. There are those who run off to death and there are those who are drawn to the life. And who are like, I don't care what the risk is. I don't care how crazy this is. I can't imagine not wanting this. I can't imagine not wanting him. Bring the testimony. Verse 13 goes on and says, And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. You might notice he's moving it differently this time. (laughs) Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. I'm not sure I've ever danced with all my, all my might. Have you? Who's danced with all their might? I want to see. Yeah? yeah. Uh, kind of? Well, I'm not sure when you're going like this. I'm not sure that's with all your might. <laughs> this is... <laughs> yeah, I kind of did it with all my might. <laughs> There's a class coming up. <laughs> will, will we be dancing with all our might? Eventually. (laughs) All right. All right. That's fair. (laughs) Uh, What verse am I in? (laughs) 14. He's dancing with all his might. Um, um, What was it? I missed that. Oh, uh, yeah. (laughs) All his might in his underwear. And David was wearing the linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Now, actually, do you see, this is occurring to me right now, do you see why the ark was not going to come on and come in on an ox cart. <laughs> there, let me tell you something. If you want the power of God, his love to be so effective through you, and I don't care what it's for. I really don't. I don't care if it's for your family. I don't care if it's to save a nation <laughs> because you're a missionary or for this church, or the, or the brand new ministry God's asking you to step into. I, I don't care what it is. Um, I lost my thought. That happened. So it was a good one, too. <laughs> oh, that is where we're going. That is where we're going. It's going to be... In God's strength. And I'll tell you this, there's going to be opposition. That's not what I was going to say, but that's what I see here. There's going to be, do, do not be dismayed by the scattering that happens when God goes on the move. Oh, so often we want to go, oh no, oh no, people are scattering. <laughs> Pay attention to who's coming. <laughs> Pay attention to what's going on in your heart. Because when, when God, I'll just tell you that when God's on the move, I'm going. <laughs> Anybody else? When I see God doing things, I'm, I'm going. And there's tremendous risk. 
Every time they moved that ark, I'm telling you, they did it with fear and trembling. I think of a verse that says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. And that's why, because true faith that keeps testimony out in front is a fearful thing. (laughs) Don't expect to be the same on the other side of this journey. If you do that, okay, you can engage in religion for the rest of your life and I promise you, you'll look exactly the same at the end. Or, or worse, maybe. I, probably worse. But <laughs> you'll not go the same direction as the testimony, as the power of God, and emerge on the other side looking like you look now. You cannot be in the presence of God and be unchanged. That's why anytime I'm anywhere too long or anytime I myself feel like I've been in a season where I'm not being changed for too long, I start to get really worried. (laughs) I start to think, man, did I miss where the testimony went? (laughs) We've been uh, getting stinky too long. And I'm not talking about my message from like four weeks ago where we (laughs) talked about (laughs) the aroma of Christ. Okay, we, okay. You know, um, over this last year, I'm just going to share this. I've had, I've had um, people in this church um, come and literally say, what is going on around here? Like, like, there are people leaving, there are people coming, there are the strangest things happening. What is going on around here? And I always try to be so loving. I really do give it my best effort. And, um, and you just want to go, God's moving. <laughs> and I know when they're asking me, it's almost like uh, oftentimes they're asking me with regard to like, um, like I did it. <laughs> like I'm that powerful that I, I'm causing this shaking and this leaving and this coming and and this, you just want to go, um, what is going on around here? Do you know what's going on around here? God's moving. <laughs> God's moving. And, and I really believe that this story, we are, we are very much in this place. At, uh, what's his name? E- at the threshing floor of Ikan. E- He's preparing. Um, I guess I would pose something out there. Does it scare you or excite you? Or both. (laughs) If I was to tell you God is preparing us for I don't know what. I just, I know that he's preparing us. He is preparing us because our world is changing so rapidly and he is getting us ready for something. He's getting us ready to move the testimony with him. Do you want in? Are you terrified? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. But we're going, right? We got to. One of the verses that ended up in the trash can, I think, this morning was the one where, where um, actually, I think we're still going to read it. Um, <laughs> he has the words of life. Where else are we going to go? <laughs> See, it scatters. You know what happened there? Now I'm getting myself in trouble. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> 
Jesus is doing amazing things. The kingdom of God is breaking out and crowds are gathering. And then you know what happens? He starts talking about, he starts saying, unless you come to my table, unless you eat my flesh, you depend on my flesh instead of yours. Unless you drink my blood, you've got no part in this. And they go, that's too hard of a saying. Who can, who can go along with that? And scattering is what happens. Let me tell you what that is, and you're going to see this all throughout our, at least our American culture. I can speak for that. When the power of God begins to break out, that's not a guarantee of transformed lives. Not at all. Crowds will gather for the loving acts of God. And then when you bring the truth that it points to, (laughs) watch the place scatter. That's what's happening there. And he starts talking about, okay, you've all been witnessing the manifestation of the kingdom, my will happening in the earth. Let me give you the truth that it points to. And it literally says, then many went with him no more. That's right. Many are called, few are chosen. Let me tell you, testimony. And it looks like, I thought this was going to be the last one, and I say that every week. So um, I think we're going to teach on this again because there's so much I didn't get to. But do you understand stewarding testimony, the things God does in your life, is the heaviest is, is glory, okay? You know what the word glory means? Weight. <laughs> is the heaviest responsibility of stewardship that you bear in your life, stewarding the testimony the acts of love of God on your behalf, stewarding that well is the heaviest glory that you carry. He says you go from glory to glory to glory. Why? Because he's building more testimony, more testimony. He never stops loving you. Jesus says my father never stops working. What does that mean? He's always increasing your glory, the weight of responsibility to carry testimony. It will not be done by a beast of burden or a religion. It'll be done by someone who knows their royalty. Someone who knows that you've been picked to be a priesthood who carries the power of God. I'm just going to pray for this time. Father, we thank you um, that... It is your flesh and your blood that we rely on, that we're not priests. We are not your priest because we've done something to earn it or because we were a good pick, but because you loved us first and you did everything necessary to make us stand perfect when we carry the Ark of the Testimony. In the strong name of Jesus, I ask that this would be a time of ministry where your spirit moves on hearts, where you are changing, touching, healing hearts. I ask that you would give us, um, that you would give us great assurance of our royalty, of our perfection because of your blood, in the name of Jesus. I am going to read some scripture for you just to meditate on, to uh, allow yourself to relax. If you're comfortable with it, close your eyes. Invite the Holy Spirit to make his presence very real to you. You know, he's, the Holy Spirit is always with you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. <clears throat> but ask him to make his presence really available to you, that your senses 
would be awake to his presence. After doing many great things to bring the kingdom of heaven in front of their eyes, Jesus had this conversation. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away? But Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And Father, we know that you plant seeds, um, that you're in the business of planting seeds, that you plan to grow into mighty trees within us. And so we speak a blessing over seeds planted. We ask uh, protection over those seeds, protect them from the birds. <laughs> They want to come take it. We ask, Lord, we, we yield ourselves completely. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray that uh, these seeds will grow, that they find uh, the soil that you've planned for them, that, that testimony begins to break out in new ways that people here have never seen in their own life before, that the story of your greatness begins to ripple out across people from person to person until a mighty jealousy is created throughout Teller County where everybody's saying, I don't care the risk, I don't care the cost. In the strong name of Jesus, we ask that, that a hunger would be created for the goodness of the love of a great God. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>